When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's always great to have you here. If you don't like that, my guest is coming up in just a moment. But I want to tell you that today's podcast is brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento. Locally owned for over 20 years, New Works has a fix for you. Just go to newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W. WRXplumbing.com. And if you happen to have an emergency in the middle of the night, no problem. New Works will be there with their 24-7 service. Just go to NewWorksPlumbing.com for all of your plumbing needs and repairs. That's N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. My guest is somebody that I used to have on when I was doing radio in Sacramento quite often. I just love his knowledge, particularly when it comes to college football and college basketball. He's got a very interesting podcast. I just listened to an episode recently that I want to get into it with him, and you can listen to him on Fox Sports Radio. It's great to catch up with Aaron Torres. Aaron, how are you, buddy? Grant, I'm good. You know, anytime anybody says that my work is interesting or I heard this and I I always worry because, you know, I say stuff (laughs) that I don't intend to say and I find myself in the middle of situations that I don't intend to find myself in. Uh, but one, I'm good. But two, I always worry when people say, oh, you know, you won't believe what this guy said. I'm like, did I? What did I say? Uh, what did I do now? So. <laughs> yeah, kind of like you did on Twitter when it came to NBA defense. And I was like, man, Aaron just started World War Three. I mean, I couldn't believe the criticism you got. You were just making an opinion. Well, yeah, I mean, one, you know, it, it is funny on social media. Um, you know, uh, you know, one thing that I've kind of gotten out of doing, Grant, is, you know, I'm in the opinion, you know, business, do radio, do podcasts, whatever. Um, and so I, I've kind of come to the point where I think that for me, I don't react to other people's opinions because they're all, you know, everyone's just entitled to an opinion. Um, but the funny thing about that whole situation was, you know, I put out a, a tweet in the middle of, of a bad NCAA tournament game where all the typical, um, you know, NBA people were talking about how unwatchable the product was. And all I said was uh, it was the Villanova Houston Elite Eight game. And all I said was if NBA players were allowed to play defense like this, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, we would see a lot of low scoring games. And and so people took that as the typical college basketball guy. Oh, nobody tries in the NBA. And I love college basketball because they try so hard and it's for the good. And that was never what it was about. But it was funny because. 
I was like, you know, like, like I say stuff sometimes that I know is a little bit controversial. This was not controversial at all. And, no. you know, you go back, I, I always, I always reference this, but you know, the, the great NBA game that, that, you know, one of the, the greatest games that we ever have seen in the NBA, or at least that we deem one of the greatest games ever, um, you know, the Michael Jordan, Byron Russell game. Final score was 88-87. Mm-hmm. And so all I, all I said was a lot of games would be played in the 70s and 80s if t- NBA players were allowed to play defenses like defense like this. A lot of people got upset. I think, you know, J.J. Redick was probably the most prominent <laughs> one. He hosts a pretty big podcast, which it's fine. You know, he misunderstood my whole point. Um, and unfortunately, you know, social media is, you know, people, you know, whatever. So it was, uh, it was, it was, it was interesting, but it's like, you know, it was literally not a controversial take at all. Um, and oh, by the way, like, again, just go back and look at, you know, scores from the playoffs in the nineties, early two thousands before the hand check rules changed in 2005. Like I said, the, I say some controversial things sure. sometimes, and frankly, I say some dumb things sometimes. Uh, you know, I, I'm still struggling to see how this was one of them. Listen, you, you're talking to an expert when it comes to being misinterpreted on social media. I put mm-hmm. all lives matter, every single one, and I lost my career in 48 hours. So know, you do man. not, you do not have to explain to me <laughs> the intent and being misinterpreted. But I will tell you, I listened to a podcast, and it made me think because I was very critical, uh, and I put a tweet out after. Kentucky was upset by St. Peter's about John Calipari. And so I listened to your podcast about you comparing his numbers to Coach K. And it got me thinking, okay, we talk about the first round draft picks. We talk about the talent, which you laid out there, all the players that Duke has had. And we went through a 10-year period and you listed some of the stars at Kentucky. And it got me thinking, all right, so is winning four games in the tournament to get to the Final Four – just a hell of a lot more difficult than we think when you have a top team like a Duke, like a Kansas, like a North Carolina, like a Kentucky. I mean, is winning those four games just more difficult than we think it is? Well, I mean, think about it like this is that, you know, Bill Self, Kansas just won a national title. Um, you know, Bill Self, it's so funny because I don't, I don't think a lot of people know this, but, you know, he's Kansas is in the middle of a pretty heavy investigation, NCAA investigation right mm-hmm. now. Um, and I think it kind of gets glossed over, but, but I bring it up because you ask other coaches about Bill Self and my assumption would be, they don't like him. Oh, you know, he got caught cheating, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They love Bill Self. And they say to a man that he's the best coach that, you know, you talk to big 12 coaches. They're like, there's just nobody like him. He's just so good. He's so incredible. He's so this, he's so that. And so I bring it up because he is revered among other coaches. And I think this was his fourth final four and he got to Kansas in 2019 or 20, 2019, 2005, I believe. So that's 17 years that he's been at Kansas and he's only been to four final fours. And this is a guy that the other coaches say is the best coach in college basketball. And so I, I you know, I do think it's pretty tough. And I think especially now the, the rosters, everybody knows the, the good and bad of college basketball, but the rosters flip so quickly players come and go. You can't really plan for anything other than a year to year thing. And so I think it makes it that much harder. But when you're talking about a hall of famer, like Bill self, who's been there four times in 17 years at Kansas and was at Illinois for four or five years before that. So 20 plus years really at elite programs. Um, you know, Calipari hasn't been there since 2015. Coach K hadn't been there since 2015 prior to this season. I do think it's probably a little bit harder than we give it credit for. And then to win the two other games to win the national championship, I think makes it that much harder. I think that's the other thing about the sport too, is that 
we always market it as the road to the final four. And I think people forget that you get to the final four, you still got to win two more games once you get there. So um, it probably is, you know, I don't think anybody has sympathy for John Calipari who's getting paid eight and a half million dollars a year, but at the same time, uh, it probably is a little bit harder than people give it credit for. For the folks that did not hear your podcast, your point though was very interesting. Your point was that you feel that the criticism that John Calipari has received is not on par with Coach K. And again, they're almost mirror images of one another. If you look at the last 10 years, and your point was, you know, Coach K has received a pass compared to the criticism that Calipari gets. So I'll ask you, why do you think that is? Well, I mean, you know, now it's because he was going through this retirement tour and we have to celebrate the legend. Um, But the last couple of years, I mean, listen, I just think it's how the sport is covered. I mean, it goes back to what I said about Bill Self. I mean, Bill Self, I, you know, I, I respect the hell out of him as a coach, but this is also a guy that, um, you know, has major NCAA rules violations, and you would never know that with the way that he was covered. You know, I mean, uh, how many people, and, and I think rightfully, I mean, you know, and, and I even struggle with that balance the night of the national championship game. You want to celebrate a guy winning a second national championship, but you don't want to completely bury that there's an NCAA investigation going on. And so I just bring it up because, you know, I, I think it's it's the world that we live in, Grant, and, you know, certain guys, and, and I think in all sports, right? I mean, you know, Steph Curry, the thing that's bothered me for years about him is that he can do no wrong, is that, you know, and I, and I think he's a great guy, and I'm not saying he isn't. But, you know, there was a, a, a thing about four or five years ago where it was like, you know, LeBron's just arrogant. LeBron is cocky. And it's like Steph Curry throws up a three and turns his back and starts running back the other way before the ball goes in the hoop. What is more arrogant and cocky than that? But he is Steph Curry, it's like a universal. Oh, my God, he's the greatest guy ever. We love him. Uh, you know, I use this example on my radio show all the time. I love Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. but I mean, we're, we're talking about him as a young Joe Montana, where if we're being honest, it was the defense that really got them to the Super Bowl this year. I mean, there was one game he got sacked eight times. There was one game that, you know, I don't, I can't remember all the stats now, but I just think certain guys are covered certain ways. Um, you know, I do think Cal Perry's a lightning rod. Some of it he brings on himself. Um, and I think Coach K just, you know, listen, if you cover college basketball on a day-to-day basis, for the most part, you don't want to criticize Coach K. You're not going to get access to him. Where Calipari, you've been criticizing him probably since he was at Memphis or UMass if you've been around long enough. So I just think it's the way that we cover people. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's the media's job to pick and choose who they like and who they don't. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons, by the way, why, you know, I've kind of had some success in my career is because, I'm not afraid to call out certain people that other people in the media aren't, but I just think it's the way that, that, that the media covers certain people. And it's not just college basketball. Like I said, it for a time it was Steph versus LeBron. It's, you know, I, I don't know. I can't think of any other ones, good ones off the top of my head, but, but I do think that's part of it. Aaron, recently I had Eric Musselman on my podcast. I've been a big nice. fan of his. Uh, I, I got to know him when he was coaching in Sacramento and I thought what he did with the, the Wolfpack of Nevada, and then now what he's done in Arkansas. How close is he to being on that tier? Uh, it just seems like his recruiting, it's just his, his, everywhere he's gone now, it's really like, okay, now they've arrived, and you've got an Arkansas on a, on a national stage. How close are they to being an elite program? Oh, such a great question. And, you know, I've gotten to know Coach Must too, mostly through his time at Nevada, and you know, I, I have such respect for the guy um, like you do, Grant. And so it's it's funny because, you know, and I'm starting to have those conversations where you bring up Kentucky, you bring up John Calipari, um, I, you know, it, it, like 
has arc like if, if you talk about just the last three years since Eric Musselman's gotten there, mm-hmm. um, has Arkansas passed Kentucky? It sounds stupid on paper. He hasn't made a final four, but back-to-back elite eights. Kentucky hasn't won an NCAA tournament game over the time that Eric Musselman's been there. Now the 2020 tournament was canceled. Kentucky had a good team that year, but they had a great team this year. Kentucky hasn't won the SEC uh, in the past two years. Uh, recruiting is essentially equal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Arkansas has three McDonald's All-Americans, whatever. And they beat him head to head this year and last year. And so, you know, I, I don't know that I'm totally ready to get there yet. But I mean, in terms of, of programs, yes, to answer your question, I think they're knocking on the door. Um, I think there's certain people that you got to get to a final four. You got to win a national championship. And here's the thing, Grant. Right. Yeah. But, but it's funny, though. Right. Because even when that happens, there's going to be people that say, well, you know, I mean, to, to really be on top, you know, you got to win another one. You know, I mean, it's like the Tom Izzo thing. Oh, Tom Izzo. He's been around forever. He's only won <laughs> right, one. So right. that's that's my joke about Mark Few and Gonzaga is they're going to finally win it. And people are going to say, yeah, but it's only because they got a number one seed because they don't play anybody. And da-. like, the, you know, you know how people are. There's there's going to be a certain segment. So to me, I, I think they've already arrived as one of the the, the best programs in college basketball. And I think the one thing that coach Musk gets, he gets the transfer portal from his background in the professional ranks, Mm -hmm. not just the NBA, but the G league, uh, you know, the old a, what was it? Not the ABA, the uh, CBA, you know, he's been around forever and like flipping rosters is nothing to him. I mean, I've talked to him about, you know, he tells a famous story of he's in the, I think it was the CBA playoffs back in the day, or maybe it was the G league. I can't remember. And they're taking a flight somewhere. And at the layover of his flight, um, his three best players get called up to the NBA and it's in the middle of the playoffs and he's trying to make the championship. And his three best players just like, (laughs) Nope, they're off to the NBA. They're not even getting on the connecting flight. And so, you know, when you have that, um, you know, the transfer portal isn't that big of a deal to you, you know, getting a player and knowing you're only going to have them for one year, if it's a one and done, isn't a big deal to you. Uh, and that's why I think, you know, he is going to continue to have success at Arkansas and I'll take it a step further. He is the prototype for who I think athletic directors need to be targeting. Now there's only one Eric Musselman and I don't even, you know, there's not many NBA guys that want to come down to college and have the passion and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. But the way he uses the portal, the way he's fearless, the way that he gets that this is a year to year sport. I think you have to have that mindset in 2022 because it's just, you know, it's just simply um, a sport that, you know, you can't build three, four year rosters, can't plan three, four years out. He gets that better than anybody. We're a couple of weeks away from the NBA draft lottery. And as we sit here, in the middle of April, how would you characterize this class of players that will be entering the NBA draft? Yeah, you know, just talking to, you know, NBA, you know, scouts and stuff, um, you know, I think the top three are intriguing, but they all kind of have their own kind of pitfalls. And then I think, you know, that next group, um, you know, the NBA people I talked to are like, it doesn't feel like there's somebody to draft at like four, five, six. It feels like, you know, Johnny Davis, for example, at Wisconsin is maybe going to go in that four, five, six range, but you really in a perfect world would love to take him at nine, 10, 11, 12. Same with Keegan Murray. Maybe Jaden Ivy is more towards that, you know, top three than he is the next group. Uh, ben Matherin's kind of the same. And so, you know, I think all three have, have different questions. You know, I am very much in the camp of, I would be concerned about Chet Holmgren. I know, you know, there's examples, Giannis being the best example yet of kids being super skinny and being able to put on weight. But I mean, you're, you're really, I mean, 
whoever drafts him and like you said, we'll know in two or three weeks who's going to get those picks. I mean, you're really going to be in a situation where, I mean, Grant, you've been around the NBA way longer, you know, you know, way more than I have. I mean, what are we talking about realistically if you draft Chet? What, four years, three yes, years you, you, before? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I was going to say three years. I, I just think it's uh, the, you can't – that process can be accelerated, but it is what it is. I'm, I'm thinking three years. I was just going to say three years. No, and I agree. And so, you know, is it the right team that, that has the ability to develop them? I mean, you look at – I mean, you know, it's interesting. Again, I don't claim to um, – you know, I don't claim to, uh, by the way, Chet's going to be 20 on, uh, you know, uh, in May. So he's right. a, a little bit older as it is anyway. So it's not as though he's 17 years old anymore, but you know, it's just an interesting deal because, you know, I even look at somebody like say the Oklahoma city thunder who have the, all these draft picks and this mm-hmm. and that, like at some point you do have to win, you know, like, and, and so like, there's this idea that, well, there's certain teams that they'll have plenty of time to develop them and this and that, um, yeah, at some point you do have to win though. And so I just, I'm very intrigued by him. I do like Jabari Smith. He's just insanely, insanely talented. Yes. And I've always been a big Paolo guy as well. You know, I don't do a ton of high school, like evaluation, but he was one of the few that I really got to see pretty early when he was a sophomore at some events and to see how much he's developed over the last three years. I mean, he was basically six, eight, six, nine at, at 15, 16 years old. And he was just a low post guy. And to see him be able to handle the ball and do all the things he's done. I really like how he has improved. So I like those top two. I have questions about Chet. I have some questions about J- Jaden Ivy, although I obviously understand why people like him. Uh, and then, you know, my understanding from talking to scouts, that next tier, you wish there were two or three guys before you had to jump into that, you know, Keegan Murray, mm-hmm. Johnny Davis, type tier so but as we again talk and the draft is not until june you, there is not a consensus number one pick currently correct no i don't think so i don't think so and you know um it's kind of the gift and the curse of the tournament is that sometimes guys can can really establish themselves like i you know the, the example that i always use and i'm sure there's a better example more recently but if you go all the way back to 2008 Going into the tournament, it was a consensus that Michael Beasley was the number one pick. Mm-hmm. And then you see Derrick Rose just put Memphis on his back, take him to a title game. You're like, oh, you can't pass on that guy. So that was kind of the disappointing thing of the tournament was Jabari Smith goes out in the second round. And, you know, there was a lot of talk. And I think it was fair of the guards trying to do too much when you have maybe the number one pick in the draft. Uh, Chet, you know, really only got to play two, you know, two and a half games because he basically was in foul trouble against Arkansas. And I'll say this, like, you know, even though they lost that game, I actually thought he asserted himself. Well, you could see when he wasn't on the floor, uh, you know, Gonzaga couldn't do much of anything against Arkansas. So I don't believe there's a consensus. And I, you know, I haven't looked at these teams well enough to know if this team gets this pick, it will definitively be this guy, but I do think it's going to be those top three. And I, you know, I I could see the scenario where Jaden Ivey gets in there. I don't think Jaden Ivey will ultimately go number one. Hmm. The thing that blows my mind of being in the NBA for so long is I'm so puzzled every year by the number of players that enter the NBA that can't shoot. And some obviously improve very rapidly. And then there are others like De'Aaron Fox, who just completed his fifth year. And, you know, he's a 30% career shooter from three. His free throw percentage is in the low 70s. And I just, as as talented as De'Aaron is and as athletic as he is, 
I am very skeptical about where he could take a team shooting in the low 70s from the line and very inconsistent and inaccurate from three. And I always feel that, you know, after five years, you pretty much are who you are. All right. If, if you mm-hmm. have not improved after five years of being in the NBA, you're probably not going to make that next jump. And I'm just baffled by that. I'm baffled by the number of players that enter the league that just can't shoot. It, it blows my mind. Well, and shooting is supposed to be the thing that you're able to, you know, fix and work on and all that stuff. You know, one, I I do think if somebody has been shooting a certain way or whatever their entire career, and I think that's the other thing too, like, like to go back to the JJ Redick point from earlier, like, I do think that's fair is that even, uh, you know, you look at deer and Fox, I mean, even all the way up to the college level. And I know we're just using him as a hypothetical. Sure. He could just blow by everybody. And like to JJ Reddick's point, which, you know, he kind of missed my point, but I see what he was saying is like, you know, there's nobody in the league, maybe John Morant's the only one, but there aren't very many guys in the league that can just get to the rim anytime they want. And at a certain point, you have to develop, you know, those counters. And, you know, you, I live in LA, you look at Russell Westbrook, he sure. never was able to figure it out. And now he's basically, you know, I, I don't know if unplayable is the right word. I think it was a bad situation, but you get it. So, sure. you know, th- it's weird because it, that's the one thing that you're supposed to be able to figure out. Uh, Look at Ben Simmons. You can't have him on the uh, floor at the end of games. I mean, that's what happened last year. He got disenchanted. His, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm not defending the guy, but he can't shoot. Yeah, go ahead. Well, let me ask you a question. You know, I keep seeing this thing of with Ben Simmons, and I'm fascinated by Ben Simmons, and you know, it 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 bothers me the way that he was covered. And again, you know, not afraid to kind of share my opinion, but you know, my wife works in the mental health space, and you know, it feels like he was using mental health as an excuse because he Mm -hmm. just didn't want to play, right? Um, and so I I bring it up, and there's more to that, you know, he whatever, but I, I bring it up because there there seems to be this notion of you know Brooklyn's the perfect team, and you know once he gets on the court, all he's gonna have to do is defend, and Kyrie and Katie are going to take over. And it's like, I, I feel like if he's on the court, we're going to find a way to follow him and send him to the line late Correct. in the games. Am I crazy to think that? No, you're not crazy to think that. That's why coaches take him off the floor at the end of games because he's a liability at the free throw line. But with all of that said, it's interesting because Simmons has been a three-time All-Star. He's arguably the best defender on the ball in the league. So, and I understand your premise, but if he's on the floor with the Durant and an Irving, and again, I'm not comparing him to Dennis Robin because they play different positions. They're completely different players, but Robin was obviously instrumental in helping teams win championships because of rebounding and defense the question is could Ben Simmons be that guy for Brooklyn without having the ball in his hands but then what happens at the end of games when you need him on the floor for defense if he ends up with the ball and he's quickly fouled then what I mean uh, it's a very interesting dynamic when it comes to a guy like Ben Simmons absolutely and it's crazy because I'll tell you you know um to to go back to my college background I mean I I've probably seen every pretty prominent player the last 10 years in high school basketball. Benson is the best high school basketball player I've ever seen. Wow. And like, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the things, I mean, at 18 years old, he was doing the same things he's capable of doing now. Um, and so it's funny because I do criticize him, but I think part of the criticism is I know how much God given ability he has and I want to see him succeed. And I think, you know, like I said, we don't have to relitigate it, but you know, I, you know, I was on air last year during that, uh, that game against, uh, against uh Atlanta I guess it was mm-hmm. when when you know he passed up the dunk and so it's disappointing to see it but it just feels like exactly what you said like everybody wants to make it this thing of well he's just going to defend and he's going to this and he's going to that and it's like that may be true for the first little bit but at a certain point 
you know, it's going to be crunch time. And if you have them on the floor, they're going to find a way to follow you. And so how valuable is he at 30 plus million a year if he can't right. score uh, and you're going to have to pull him off late in the game because he can't shoot foul shots? And you, you you bring up a great point. You were just talking about your wife and her background as it, as it pertains to mental health. You got to be careful because, you know, if, if you attack somebody who claim that they have mental health issues and then you find out they do, you feel like an idiot. But here's the way I look at that. Okay. At the end of the day, you still have a job to do. You still have to go to work. I was very critical of Naomi Osaka because Osaka because you know recently in a tournament in California a fan chanted you suck Naomi and she broke down and she went at the end of the match and she's crying all right and and again I'm not unsympathetic to what she may be dealing with but the bottom line is you know you if you can't play then you can't play all right I mean you you just if you cannot handle the pressure of being on that stage then you should be doing something else. And I really feel that way. And again, I'm not saying that she doesn't have an issue. I'm not saying that, you know, that, that it's not real. But what I am saying is at the end of the day, that's what you do. And if you can't do it, then do something else. And I feel the same way towards Ben Simmons. If he does indeed have mental health issues, which is a block to him playing in the NBA, then go find and do something else. I know that sounds kind of crass, but that's how I look at it. Well, my issue with Ben Simmons was, you know, he has no contact with the team all summer. It's awful. Um, And it wasn't until they started taking away pay that all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden he circles back. Then he shows up to the first practice and he's got his phone out. Right. Doc Rivers has to throw him out. Then he claims he has a back injury, which maybe the back injury is legit because they're they're still saying that's the case in Brooklyn. But it wasn't until uh, he he didn't. He didn't acknowledge the team until he got paid, until he wasn't getting paid. Then he shows up and tanks the practice. Then he says he has a back injury and is cleared by the team. And then it becomes mental health. If the day after this, you know, even the Naomi Osaka thing, listen, you know, it's kind of this, it's kind of, you know, Osaka was kind of in the same deal, right? She just shows up at the French Open and says, I'm not participating in media. And then they were like, uh, yeah, you are. And then she got into the mental health stuff and whatever. And like you said, if you can't, if you, if, if you can't handle somebody saying you suck, like you, you, you probably, you You're know, in the wrong you, profession. Shouldn't, you shouldn't be in a public space. I mean, right. how much every day I get told that I suck or I'm, you sure, know, I'm this, absolutely. I'm that. And it's just like, you just got to brush it off. But you know, the Ben Simmons thing, that that's why it bothers me because if he came out the day after the season and said, you know, the day after that game and said, uh, you know, Hey, I've been dealing with some mental health stuff. I don't expect you to understand, but you know, please give me some privacy. That's one thing. The mental health thing didn't come until about four things later, <laughs> right. uh, including when he wasn't paid by the team. And so that that's where my issue with the mental health stuff comes in. And so, Good point. um, and, and that's why, you know, and that's why I've been unsympathetic to him. Like even Naomi Osaka, like she did step away. She thought she was good. She isn't good. I hope she gets the help that she needs, but Ben Simmons, it's like, you know, like I said, we just got, we just, we just took a lot of steps along the way to get to mental health, where if that was the issue the yep. whole time, then go ahead and deal with that from the beginning. But, you know, we're getting off subject here, sure. but he's just, and I'll say this, you know, he's a fascinating character and like, you know, and I think it, it comes down to, and I, I think it's exactly what you said. It doesn't matter who the athlete is. Like we can be sympathetic, but like at a certain point, um, you, you have to move on with your life where you can't. And, you know, and, and, and there's always that fine line, but, you know, I even go back to like the Antonio Brown stuff when he quit the team middle of the game. And, you know, there, there was a small faction that were like, well, you know, you got to consider his mental health. And it's like, yeah, but you know, we can also <laughs> right. like acknowledge right. that 
if you have mental health issues, there's a way to handle things. And there's so anyway, we're getting way off the subject. Here, no, but it's but- good though. I, I, you're, you're spot on. You and I are on the same page. Trust me. I really am. All right. So let's go to the NFL draft real quickly. I think it's more intriguing this year without any quarterbacks. Really? Yeah. Well, you know what? Because I know last year was intriguing as it related to number three with Trey Lance, where they're going to take Mac Jones, where the Niners going to take Trey Lance. And it seems like every year it's quarterback, 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 but we don't have that this year. Intriguing may not be the right word, but it's certainly different leading up to round one don't you think oh it's certainly different and by the way if you think it's intriguing that's okay I just you know I just look at it from the perspective of you know talking points and and you know Colin Cowherd who I know a little bit you know he always says I'm in the interesting business um and I'm just not smart enough to break down offensive tackle technique and like you know this DN's burst is better than that one and so I like this one at number one versus that one um, but I, I, I do think there's some intrigue in terms of, again, the conversations around the players, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau right now is getting some pushback because people question his love of football. And, you know, he talks about branding and he talks and it just seems like a lot of stuff outside of football, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but he has more natural ability. There's no question than Aiden Hutchinson, who may go number one overall. Um, you know, I, you know, I, what's weird to me, well, not weird, but what intrigues me, I guess is probably the right way to put it. I, I am obsessed with some of these wide receivers. And again, I'm not a smart enough scout or evaluator to know which ones will hit and which ones won't. But you just watch Garrett Wilson on Saturdays at Ohio State. You just watch Chris Olave on Saturdays at Ohio State. You watch David Bell at Purdue, where everybody knows the ball is going to him on every play and he's somehow still making plays. It almost reminded me watching him of, again, to go back to Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase in the playoffs. Absolutely. They need yeah, you know, they need a big play, and you just know the ball is going to him, and he still makes a big play. So, uh, you know, Cooper Cup, there's other ones. So, uh, again, I'm not smart enough to know which wide receivers are going to hit and which ones aren't, but that's what's intriguing to me is there's about five or six of them. Um, you know, the Ohio State guys are just so, so, so talented. Jahan Dotson from Purdue's talented, David Bell, et cetera. Um, but, you know, like you said, I, I think it's definitely a different draft. Um, you know, from a talking point, I don't know that um, – you know, offensive tackles and safeties and wide receivers resonate quite as much as quarterbacks. But I, I do think there are some really talented players in this draft, no doubt. I'm, I'll tell you what is intriguing to me is how many people think they can talk about the draft. And, and I don't mean this in a, in a disconcerting way to anybody that is a quote-unquote NFL draft expert. But when you look at the quarterback position, it's still mind-boggling to me how many times people get high draft picks wrong. Well, and and that, that, to me, is what sticks out every year. To how, many, how, many, how many picks are made, Aaron, not only in the NFL, but the NFL draft and the top five that end up not being good players. Well, and the the interesting thing to me is how quickly, you know, like, like how, and I don't know why this is, especially it seems like with quarterbacks, but how little like games and context seems to matter. So my whole thing going into last year was, you know, and, and again, part of this is, is me hosting a national radio show, but you know, so I host from seven to 11 Pacific. So that would be, uh, you know, 10 to 2 AM Eastern. And if you remember two years ago, not this past year, but two years ago, the PAC 12 wasn't playing football until November. Mm -hmm. And so there was only one team on the West coast that was playing football early in the season. And it was BYU. And so I bring it up because my partner, Arnie Spanier and I, we had, we had the BYU game on every single week. It was the only thing on. (laughs) And I never, I I never once was watching BYU and saying, Oh, there's the, you know, if you you can't get Trevor Lawrence, that's the guy you got to get. 
And so, and then you peel back the layers more with Zach Wilson, where, you know, he, and I don't remember all the details now, but, but really struggled the year before didn't play a power five team, his entire, you know, uh, last year at BYU, he's playing army and he's playing, you know, whoever, I can't remember everybody that they played. And then it got to be draft season and it was just absolute consensus that he's going to be the number two quarterback off the board. And I'm like, why is it a consensus? Like, okay, I can see Trevor Lawrence. He's six foot six. He mm-hmm. won a national championship. He's beating Alabama. He's beating Ohio state. He's beating whoever, but why is it a consensus that Zach Wilson is number two? Um, Trey Lance, you know, he played one, you know, he's playing at a lower level as it is. And then he played one game during the 2020 season and it's not his fault, but why is it a consensus that he's got to go top five? And then on the flip side, you know, I thought this was funny too. Mac Jones last year. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, come on. He played at Alabama with all these guys, all Jalen Waddle and Devonte Smith. First of all, Jalen Waddle was hurt the entire year, so mm-hmm. he didn't play, but we never made that excuse with Joe Burrow. We never made that excuse with Trevor Lawrence, but Mac Jones all of a sudden has to be criticized because he played with good talent. I mean, Trevor Lawrence until he never, I I would, you know, I'd have to look at everybody they played. Trevor Lawrence never played a regular season game at Clemson where he didn't have the significant talent advantage. Mm -hmm. Um, Justin Fields, the same at Ohio state, but Mac Jones is the one that we're going to criticize about it. It just, it just, you know, mind boggling. Yeah, the way the way the narratives come about never makes sense. And then I, I do think with the quarterbacks, too, and I think this year will be heightened. Um, you know, it's just such an important position that they just get so well, overvalued. Go ahead. What were you going to say? You gonna say that? No, no, I'm sorry. I was just going to interject. But I mean, you look four years ago, Baker Mayfield and Sam Donald. If you were a general manager of NFL team, would you want those guys as your starting quarterback? I'm more high on Mayfield than I am on Donald. But again, I'm not sold on Baker. But again, I'm just trying to illustrate the point that that was a recent draft. Two quarterbacks, one taken one, I think the other taken three. And, yep. and now there's huge question marks on them. Well, and so I think Sam Darnold is the perfect context guy to use is his best year was as a, I think it would have been his red shirts. It was the second to last year and he regressed in every major category, his final year at USC. And I, I even remember, I vividly remember this, like, you know, Kirk Herbstreit was asked before he declared, like, what do you think he's going to do or what do you think he should do? And Kirk Herbstreit just says, you know, the NFL isn't the place that you go to learn to play the quarterback position. I assume he's going to come back for another year. And then, boom, the kid the kid declares like a day later. And so I, I just bring it up because, you know, Baker Mayfield, like, OK, we, we pick apart every little thing and he's five foot this and he does this and he grabbed this and he said this. And it's like. But he also beat a lot of really good teams, whereas Sam Darnold regressed every year. Um, You know, Zach Wilson had one good season, Um, you know, and by the way, and by the way, it works the other way, too, where I could use context to pick apart Josh Allen um, and he's been awesome. So, you know, I do think it is amazing that that so few of these guys hit and you never really know. Um, but I also do think that like, it's just the narratives surrounding these guys become very interesting to me at certain points because we're willing to completely overlook stuff on certain guys. And then we just completely crush other guys for the exact same reasons. I love this conversation, man. That, that was a really fast 30 plus minutes. I can't thank you enough. I love picking your brain. I just love the, your insight and I can't thank you enough for coming on my podcast. It's been a while since you and I have chatted. So it's great catching up with you, Aaron. Well, anytime you need me, uh, we were trying to do this in March and it fell through a few times. So anytime you need me, man, I love talking, you know, stuff with you, sports and everything. Um, just hit me up. I'm around, man. This show is sponsored by better help stress. 
We all have it to a degree, big, small, but I think you can agree we all carry around different stressors. Most of you know what I've gone through the last four years, complete career change, moving across the country, filing a lawsuit, being in the news often, dealing with all of that, trust me, has not been easy. And if you keep things bottled up, it can really have a negative impact on your life. Therapy is a safe space. You get things off your chest. You can figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills. You can set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And you know what, folks? It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. Hey, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's online. It's easy, convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash grant today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash grant. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is now time for our CrowdUltra Q&A. Just go to CrowdUltra.com and just maybe I'll answer your question on my next podcast. Martin asked, are the Lakers one of the most talented teams to not make the playoffs in sports history? Yeah, at least on paper they are, Martin. I don't think there's any question. They might even be number one. They might be at the very, very top of the list. Blake asks, are there any opening week MLB games you're looking forward to? Well, obviously, we are in opening week, and uh, I enjoyed watching the Yankees and the Red Sox. Uh, I watched two of the three games, so those were some of the games that uh, I did pick out. Charlie asks, was that one of the best NCAA basketball championship games of all time? You know, it was great. I mean, the comeback by Kansas in that second half after they got off to a good start, North Carolina comes roaring back. Uh, The finish was very dramatic. The whole game was. So it was good, Charlie. Yeah, it was good. I don't know if I can compare it to, you know, Georgetown, Villanova, or NC State, Houston. But, you know, it was good. It was absolutely good. Brad says, can we remind people how dangerous it is to get out of your car on a freeway or highway after Haskins' tragedy? Brad, I've always thought about this, and I've always discussed this both on the air and off the air, uh, because I had a friend who was in law enforcement and was giving a citation uh, in between two vehicles, and the one vehicle was rammed from behind, and this individual ended up losing their leg. And I keep on hearing about tragedies on highways from people that are out of their vehicles. Uh, Being on the highway, even though you seem like it's safe, It's not safe, even if you're on the shoulder. And what happened to Haskins is an absolute tragedy. And unfortunately, it's something that we hear about uh, all too often. Casey asks, what's your take on electronic pitch calling? I'm not in favor of it, Casey. I'm really not. Morrison asks, what's happening with your lawsuit? It is ongoing. There are no new developments. And once there are, I will certainly be transparent and pass that along. Ben wants to know, do you think sports are close to fully recovering since COVID. Yeah, Ben, I do. 
I do. I think it's uh, close to recovery. Now, we don't know the next variant around the corner and what it's going to be like, but right now it does look like it's pretty close to fully recovering uh, since COVID. Corey wants to know, should Doncic's, uh, Luka Doncic's 16th technical have been rescinded? Yes, it should have been. Doncic did have his technical rescinded. I do agree with that based on everything. So uh, I'm, I think the league uh, did right there. I really do. Gene wants to know, in your opinion, what do the Sacramento Kings have to do to be a viable NBA franchise again? I think they need a new owner. I thought Jason Anderson and the Sacramento Bee on Sunday said it very well. Uh, I think Vivek Ranadive needs to relinquish control, sell his shares, and leave. And I think that would be the biggest thing that the Kings could do uh, to be viable. Uh, somebody wants to know, and it's Donovan, how do you think the Grizzlies will do in the playoffs? I think they're going to do very good, Donovan. You know, they've proven from day one this year in the NBA that they can play with anyone. I think they're going to be a very, very tough out. I think they're going to be a very, very uh, tough out. All right. Uh, Duncan wants to know, have I seen the warnings the NFL has received from six attorney generals about workplace harassment? Duncan, I have not seen that specifically, but I know it's an ongoing situation, not only in the NFL, uh, but in other sports as well. Would the Lakers have made the playoffs if you replaced LeBron with MJ or Kobe? That's from Chase. I don't believe they would have. No, I don't. I don't believe they would have. John wants to know, have you called a baseball game before? Baseball, John, is the only sport of the main four that I have not called. Josh asks, how crazy is it that Terrell Owens thinks he could return to the NFL? Terrell Owens is a delusional individual, Josh. He's delusional. He's not dealing in the the real world. He's just not. He's not dealing in reality. Julian asks, do you think Gronk, comes back next season. I am going to say yes. I think he will come back next season. Always great to get your questions here. Thanks to Crowd Ultra. Just go to crowdultra.com. It's time for And today's rant is brought to you by the Home Theater Company. For all of your home theater needs, audio, video, home theater, just go to hometheatercompany.com. Should we give a pass to an individual who's 90 years of age, that goes on radio and makes stupid asinine comments. You know, I'm talking about the great Gil Brandt, best-known Dallas Cowboys scout. I mean, Gil Brandt is a household name in the National Football League. He had to come out and apologize for the comments that he made on Sirius XM Radio over the weekend after the tragic death of Dwayne Haskins. And again, do I, do I give him a pass because he's 90 and... It's a very delicate situation. But his comments on SiriusXM were beyond alarming, describing Haskins as, quote, a guy living to be dead, criticized his decision to leave school early, and speculated maybe if he stayed in school a year, he wouldn't do silly things. I mean, it's unbelievable. Seriously. I mean, I don't even know what to say other than I'm going to give him a pass because of his age, I, I, I don't know what else to do. You know, I could come down on Sirius XM and NFL radio for having him on as a guest. Uh, I can criticize the host for not coming back at Gil and going, Gil, do you want to change your comments? They were egregious and uncalled for. It was just a bad, bad look by a guy that has had a hell of a football career in Gil Brandt. Again, he's 90, 
So I'm not going to attack him like I would somebody else, and maybe I'm wrong for doing that. After all, he did agree to go on SiriusXM. But his comments were uncalled for. They are alarming, to say the least. And the criticism that Gil Brandt has received is justified. I'll just leave it at that. Justified. Yeah, you can look at his age and say maybe he shouldn't have been on SiriusXM, but he made the decision to go on. He made the comments, and they were egregious and alarming, to say the least. And that is my rant for today. And that is my podcast for today. My thanks to Aaron Torres for coming on. Hey, always great when we can talk some college basketball and college football. Hope you have a fabulous week. And thank you so much for checking us out right here on If You Don't Like That with Grant Napier. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.